If you please stand, our next hymn is 502. And while you're doing that, why don't you turn to your neighbor and greet them before we sing. There's a time for our announcements, praises, and prayer requests. Like, again, I don't see any announcements in the bulletin. Do, do we have any announcements to make? No? Okay. So we'll move on to praises and prayer requests. Anybody have any praises? I 
still, you have to thank the Lord for His grace and for His mercy, for His blessings. New every morning, fresh every evening. I woke up in the morning thinking about Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He who hath made us. And not we ourselves, we are His people. And the sheep of His pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. How can we not praise Amen. our God? Amen. Thank you. Miss Kathleen? <laughs> Sandra. Anybody else? Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you have woken us up this morning to come into your house and worship you, Lord, your good and mighty God. You deserve all the honor and praise and glory. Father, we lift up your name. And Lord, sometimes we become complacent and we don't want to worship you and we don't want to praise you like you should be. But Lord, we're reminded, Lord, that the angels or in heaven worship you all the time, Lord. Father, help us, Lord, to remember what you've done for us on the cross, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to shed his blood for our sins. And, Lord, you have heard the requests of your people, Lord. You heard your praises. We pray, Lord, that you will act according to your will. Father, you know what's best. You know each situation to every minute detail. 
Father, we pray that you will work in these situations. Lord, we pray for healing physically, spiritually. Lord, we pray for financial burdens. Lord, we just pray whatever the situation that people are struggling. Because we know people are struggling. Every one of us struggle in some way, some form. Lord, we know what hardships are. And we just pray, Lord, that we would just remember each other in prayer and lift each other up in prayer. And we ask all this in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, if you please stand, our offertory hymn is number 509.
Lord, we ask that you watch over our military, our first responders, be with them, protect them, <laughs> be with their families, um, protect them as well. We ask that you watch over our country and those that are lost um, and injured. We need you, Lord, be with them. And we love you. We thank you for all. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. All right, before Reverend David comes up, um, he asked me to read some scripture that he's going to be going over today. It's coming from Matthew 15, verses 21, 28. And if you please stand together in the reverence of reading of God's holy word. And I'll begin in verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered, saying, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat at the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Well, it's a joy to be with you this morning. I appreciate Pastor Jerry asking me to fill in while he's gone. And I rejoice for the opportunity to gather around God's Word together. This passage that Steve read for you is a wonderful story. And we want to see if we can get into it and tease the ingredients out of it and apply these truths to our hearts. Before we do that, I wonder if... You all have heard of the elderly woman who went to evening service and then returned home to find an intruder in her house. She actually caught the burglar in the act of unloading her valuables and stealing them. 
she yelled at the burglar, Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ that your sins may be forgiven. The burglar stopped dead in his tracks. He froze. The woman calmly walked over to the telephone, called the police, asked them to come and arrest the burglar, and as the officer cuffed the man to take him in, he said to the burglar, What is with you? Why did you just stand there? All that old lady did was yell a scripture at you. Scripture, he cried. She said she had an axe and two thirty-eights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so before we turn to this text in Matthew 15, I'd like to read it again in the New Living Translation. I don't know if you're familiar with the NLT, but it's one of the more meaningful, newer translations that helps throw new light on the text. And sometimes doing that brings the scriptures to life in a new way. So here is our passage in Matthew 15 in the New Living Translation. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a single word. Then the disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, Lord. She is bothering us with all of her begging. Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the lost sheep of Israel. But she came and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, That's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall from their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, Your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed in that same hour. As a chaplain in the military, I am very familiar with the phrase adapt and overcome. If you're in the military and you serve in any of its branches, you need to learn how to adapt and overcome in order to fulfill the mission. To adapt and overcome requires resilience. What is resilience? Resilience is the capacity to rise up in the face of obstacles or tragedy or difficulties and keep on going. 
One characteristic of resilience is the ability to take decisive action when a crisis falls upon you. When life tumbles in, which it invariably does, what are we going to do? Are we going to roll over and fall, fold? Or are we going to rise up and fulfill the mission? In our gospel reading in this passage that we're studying this morning, this woman, the Canaanite woman, gets a medal for resilient faith. She is an absolute model of resilient, overcoming, courageous faith. Even when she is mocked and scorned and rejected and refused, she keeps persisting. And she gains the outcome. She fulfills the mission. There are many Bible stories. Many of them that we read all the time in the New Testament. Some are unforgettable. They always seem fresh and new and invigorating and they give us new insight. This story is one of those. The Canaanite woman who wouldn't take no for an answer. This is such a good story. Look at it there in your text. And let's see if we can unravel the meaning of this story. First, what is very interesting about this occurrence is where it happens. The geographical location of the story. This is the only time that Jesus in his whole ministry traveled outside of Jewish territory. All the rest of his ministry for his three years was relegated, located in the Jewish territory. But now he's going north into the land of Tyre and Sidon, into the country of the hated Phoenicians. We must remember that God had bound himself to Israel by a covenant. He had promised that he would love Israel, care for Israel, allure her, go after her, and provide for her as his covenant people. Therefore, God had particular responsibility to Israel and directed his only son, the Lord Jesus, to go to Israel first. Go to them and tell them the good news. Reveal yourself as the Messiah and save Israel because they are my people. When Jesus sent his disciples out to minister town by town, he said to them, go first to the house of Israel. Preach the gospel to them so that they can hear and believe. Why was Israel lost? Well, we all know the story. We know the whole tragedy of the Old Testament. The nation of Israel had come under God's judgment. They had left the covenant. They had disobeyed against their Lord. They had disobeyed the words of the prophets. And now they're under judgment. The consequence of sin is judgment. Now we need to think about that, don't we? Every sin that you commit, every sin that I commit, has a consequence. Every sin we commit has a judgment attached to it. So don't approach sin casually. Don't approach it as if it's such a little thing. Because it isn't. 
all sin has consequences and some of them are very grave. In Israel's case, they rejected the Lord. Therefore, he rejected them. And now they were under his judgment. They had lost their land. They had lost their ownership of Israel. Israel was depleted. The land was lost because of poor leadership. Who replaced the good leaders of Israel? The scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes and the Pharisees were now running the show. And we all know how terrible job they did. King Herod was the worst of the tyrants now that Rome had taken over. And he used his power to gain as much control over the people that he could. It's no wonder that Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem. It's no wonder when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. They desperately needed a Messiah, a Savior. So Jesus came preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God, and it came with a warning. What would happen if Israel rejected the Messiah? Jesus told them if they rejected him, they would be lost, but he would go to the Gentiles. A good would come out of it. The Gentiles, the pagans, would hear the good news and respond to the privilege of entering into the covenant. So, this trip up north that Jesus is taking in our passage is not without significance. It's a very important trip. What is implied in Jesus going north out of Jewish territory is that the Gentile nations are receiving the good news of the gospel. The Gentile nations, that's you and me. We have received the blessing of the gospel because Jesus took it away from the Jewish people and brought it out to the Gentiles. Could it be that the bad guys, from a Jewish perspective, our enemies, are recipients of the gospel? Could it be that even those who don't like Jesus, the Jews, now the Gentiles can receive the good news of the kingdom? As this story unfolds, we need to see that what happens to Jesus and his disciples and the Canaanite woman is a kind of a test. It's a test of the disciples and it's a test of the Canaanite woman. Let's see if they learn their lessons. The first part of this story is the earnest cry of a mother in distress. Notice what happens. The woman approaches Jesus with a cry calculated to arouse his attention. It was the cry of a mother pleading for her child who was deeply oppressed by a demon. This woman's child was in trouble. Deep trouble. And she comes to Jesus and says, Lord, I need help. I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need you. Now, in modern times today, in 2023, very few people believe in the reality of demons. 
But in the first century, exorcisms were very, very common. Demons were exorcised out of people all the time. History records other rabbis who were known for casting out demons. They went around and that was their ministry. The difference, of course, between Jesus and the other rabbis is that the rabbis used various incantations, various formulas, and approaches, and sometimes they worked and sometimes they didn't. What's the difference with Jesus? Every time Jesus cast out a demon, the demon went out of the man. Jesus is king. Jesus has miraculous power. He has authority over all demons. So every time he cast them out, they heard him and they fled his presence. So the woman cries out in verse 22, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Now notice that the Canaanite woman calls Jesus Lord. Circle that in your Bible. She calls Jesus Lord. This is a term she will repeat twice again in this very short passage. The Canaanite woman acknowledges that Jesus is God. He has come to earth as the Messiah to save us from our sins. Jesus' response is astonishing, isn't it? He doesn't say a word. Jesus doesn't give any reply at all. And the silence is deafening. Jesus is ignoring the woman in her abject need. What kind of a savior is that? This woman's daughter is suffering horribly. She has a demon inside her. She appeals to Jesus with humility and reverence. Jesus acts as if he doesn't even hear her. This isn't like the Jesus we know. This isn't like the Jesus in the rest of the Gospels. Jesus cares about people. Jesus delights to help people who are in need. Jesus desires to heal. Why the silence? The next movement of the story is the reaction of the disciples to the woman. They respond not with compassion, but with irritation. This woman is a nuisance. Send her away. She's a real pain in the back. Dismiss her, get rid of her. We don't want her on this journey. Master, this woman is in the way. The disciples don't like the noise of a shrieking woman following after them. They think she might call attention to the fact that Jesus and his disciples were traveling secretly up to Tyre and Sidon. This was one trip Jesus didn't want publicly known to everyone. They were getting away from the persecution, away from the opposition, down in Judea and going up to Tyre and Sidon to escape. 
The next scene in the story is in verse 24. Do you see it there? Jesus seems preoccupied with his own vocation and the way God wants him to operate his mission. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Again, this seems callous on the part of the Lord Jesus. We must understand that Jesus was obeying his heavenly Father when he made this statement. This was a case of concentrating Jesus' energies and direction as the Messiah. There has to be a geographical limit. He's in a human body. He can't go 24-7 on and on and on. There has to be some limitation. He is the Messiah of Israel and the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament prophecies to Israel. The confining of his ministry to the people of the Jews doesn't mean he doesn't love everyone. It just means that right for now, there is a development in the expansion of his kingdom. For now, it is limited to the Jews. Then it will go out to all the Gentiles and to all the world. Jesus was bound by his heavenly Father's instructions. Therefore, he must obey his Father in all things. On the surface, it looks like Jesus is agreeing with the apostles. They're saying, get rid of her! This woman is a nuisance. Send her away. It seems like he's agreeing. Good call, Jesus, the disciples are thinking. Let's send her away. Only Jesus doesn't send her away, does he? He is waiting and watching the disciples to see how they will respond. Will the disciples learn their lesson today? He's trying to teach them an obvious lesson. Will they learn the lesson and pass the test? Or will they flunk the lesson and fail the exam? Will any of the disciples understand that the gospel draws many people from the East and the West? It's not just limited to that little group of people. It's for all. Jesus came as the Savior of the entire world. Will anyone say a word on behalf of this woman and her suffering child? Sadly, no. They all nod their heads in agreement with Jesus. Jesus hasn't come for people like this. The woman will not go away. What is to be done? Well, the woman steps up to the plate, doesn't she? Maybe it's desperation, maybe it's trust, maybe it's endurance and perseverance. Perhaps there was a short pause in their walk. Remember, they're walking along the road. This is a dirt trail, and they're walking together. Maybe they have a little pause, and the woman comes up and throws herself at the feet of Jesus. She demonstrates what St. John Chrysostom, the early church pastor, calls a beautiful shamelessness. She throws herself at the feet of Jesus. 
in all humility and faith. She kneels on the ground. She worships him. She utters a wailing cry, Lord, help me. Help me. So the intenser the feeling, the fewer the words. She throws herself at the feet of Jesus and cries out her agony, even as all hope of help fades away from this woman. Now the tension in the disciples really starts building. Their theology tells them that this woman is to be shunned, she's to be rejected, she's to be cast aside, and yet they listen to the anguished plea of a heart-sick mother for her suffering child. Something moves deep in their souls. How can they be utterly insensible to the deep love of a mother for her child? This woman's request strikes at the assumptions that the disciples have in their thinking. Could it be that God is greater? Could it be that God is bigger? Could it be that God is more powerful than the assumptions and the preconditions that are going on in the disciples' mind? Jesus speaks again. Look at what he says. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Wow. How could Jesus say such a thing? He's calling the woman a dog. Dogs in Jesus' day were scavengers. They filled the streets. They got in the way of normal life. They were lean, savage, diseased. People didn't like dogs. So to call the woman a dog is one of the chief insults that Jesus can throw upon her. The meaning is clear. What's going on here? Jesus is giving voice to what's going on in the disciples' thoughts. It is one thing to have contempt for someone behind their back, it's another thing to hear the ugliness of our thoughts expressed out loud to her face. The Jews, including the disciples, didn't think too kindly of the Canaanites, did they? In fact, they hated them. They were the original inhabitants of Israel, an evil people who didn't fear God, didn't love God, had no time for God. Traditionally, the Jews hated the Canaanites for being on their land. It created animosity. It was very unique that Jesus, being a Jewish rabbi, would speak to this woman at all. Remember how surprised the disciples were when Jesus went up to the Samaritan woman at the well. Wow, Jesus talks to a Samaritan woman? Samaritans aren't part of our group. Why would he be talking to her? The same thing is going on here. Speaking to a Canaanite woman is repugnant and it's not allowed. Jesus is the Savior. He's the great lover. He's the great shepherd. So he goes to lost sheep wherever they are. This was the test of the disciples. Would any of them speak up for the Canaanite woman? 
would any of them deal with her with compassion, with love, with kindness? Perhaps in days to come they will pass their test, but not today. Today they fail. This didn't stop the woman. Keep going in the text. Look at verse 27. L look at what the woman says. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She acknowledged Jesus as the Lord, as the Messiah, as the Savior. She was confident that he could help her. She persisted and didn't let obstacles get in her way. Notice how she answers Jesus. This verse is marvelously done. There's a play on words in the passage between dogs and crumbs. Of the two words Jesus had available when he responded to the woman, he chose the word dog, meaning little dog, a family pet, the diminutive of dog. Sort of like when a family gets a new puppy. Her response is amazing. She says, yes, Lord. Remember, she's calling him Lord each time. She acknowledges who he is. This is the third time. Yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And what she does is she picks up on the diminutive form of the word dog that Jesus gave to her and uses it with the word crumbs. She says, the little crumbs. The little crumbs that fall from the table. Even the little dogs, the puppies, they get the little crumbs that fall from the master's table. Wow, this woman has grace. She has intelligence. She has wit. She has perseverance. This story just keeps getting better and better. What a portrait of a woman of faith. This, that the woman doesn't ask to pull up a seat at the banquet table of salvation. She didn't even ask for that. She just asked for the little crumbs that fall from the master's table. The little crumbs on behalf of her daughter who is ill and needs to be healed. Finally, Jesus turns to the woman. The tension is still building. It goes all the way through to the end. But he finally turns. He faces the woman with his loving gaze. The mask comes off. Jesus is in full bloom as the Savior, as the lover, as the shepherd, as the healer. For a moment he had concealed the great goodness of his heart. But that moment is past. And now Jesus stands before her in all his glory all his love and all his mercy. The test of faith is over. The disciples failed their test. The Canaanite woman passed hers with flying colors. She gets the gold medal. Oh woman, says Jesus, great is your faith. Jesus was truly amazed. This was genuine on his part. He commends her, woman, you're the kind of person I'm looking for. I look for people like you. 
People who have your kind of faith, your kind of perseverance, your kind of love, your kind of courage, your kind of steadfastness. I look for people like you, O woman. Jesus had spent over two years in constant ministry to thousands and thousands of people. So many times he found no faith at all. No faith. Thousands come to Jesus. No faith. Then he finds faith in the most obscure places. He finds it among the Romans. He finds it among the Gentiles. He finds it among the Sidonians. He finds it among the Phoenicians. People who are enemies of Israel. Jesus is looking for men and women, boys and girls who have faith. Real faith. Tenacious faith. Persevering faith. Enduring faith. Yearning faith. Here he found someone, finally, a Canaanite woman. His apparent indifference to her was his way of drawing out and manifesting her faith in all its beauty. The disciples look on in amazement. They can't believe what they just saw. How can this be? This woman, their enemy, their inferior, a dog in their eyes, has been given one of the greatest commendations the Lord ever gave anyone. Wow! This pagan woman who's like a dog in the streets, she wins the gold medal for faith, and we who have followed him all these years flunk the test. This story, beloved, it's a wonderful story. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to let it sink deep into our hearts, sink deep into our minds, into our souls. This story is a wonderful portrait of living piety. What is piety, beloved? Webster defines piety as veneration, reverence for God, love of his character, a desire to serve him. That's what the church needs today. We need living, reverential piety. We need to live out a pious life each and every day, Monday through Saturday, and then come back on Sunday to celebrate the glory of God, to revel in His goodness, His beauty, His character, His power, and then go out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to live devout, holy, pious lives. Piety is the orientation of our whole life towards God. The main interest of the pious man, the pious woman, the pious boy or girl is to know and love God. Do you know God? Do you love God? Do you desire to get close to God? 
do you long to serve him with all your heart? That's the mark of a pious person. Piety is putting faith into action. Piety is listening for the voice of God and then responding to that voice when he calls us to acts of obedience. Piety is inner resolve to obediently, single-mindedly follow after the Lord Jesus. The Canaanite woman in this passage beautifully demonstrates, models, lives out these qualities of piety. Watch what she does. She humbly seeks out Jesus. She's a seeker in the biblical sense of the word, a seeker after God, a seeker after truth, a seeker after a shepherd and a savior. She seeks out Jesus. She kneels before him as soon as she comes into his presence. Where is she? She's not standing. She's kneeling. She knows what reverence is. She knows what holiness is. And so she throws herself on her knees before the king of kings. She has earnest, persevering faith. Her faith is met with obstacles. And then another obstacle. And then another obstacle. And she still pushes through. She still perseveres all the way to the end and gets the mission done, gets the job done, gets the reward of her faith. That's piety in action. That's a living faith, a living belief in the Lord. She kept on asking Jesus for mercy. She kept on going after him, going towards him, not giving up, not giving in. No matter what, I'm going to get the outcome. That's a woman of faith. A wise man once said, the expectancy that hopes great things from God is the passport into his kingdom. Wow. The expectancy that hopes great things from God is the passport into his kingdom. Do you want to live in the kingdom of God? then you must have expectancy, yearning, desiring, earnestly seeking after the Lord. Piety, living piety. That's what this story is unfolding for us. Beloved, we need this example. We need this story to be enacted in our own spiritual journey. We need the kind of determination that keeps on believing, that keeps on trusting, that keeps on persevering, no matter what. We are blessed beyond measure, each of us in this room, blessed beyond measure because we have so much more information than the Canaanite woman had. We have the whole New Testament. We have all the fulfillment of the promises of God. We have the fullness of Jesus Christ and his salvation. We've seen the whole story. We have Jesus' life, his teaching, his death, 
his resurrection, his ascension, and the promise of his coming again. We have the whole thing. We have far more reason for expectancy. Far more reason to live a vital, dynamic, pious life than any of these people in Jesus' day ever had. This is the unparalleled beauty of an unswerving faith. Write that down someplace. The unparalleled beauty of an unswerving faith. Wow, that's what I want. That's what I want in my life, in my family. That's what you want in your life and your family. That's what you want in this church. An unswerving faith. What a model this woman is. She overcame every obstacle, remained persistent, demonstrated true piety, and received her reward. Look at verse 28. Look how it ends. Then Jesus answered her, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done unto you as you desire. Now look what it says. And her daughter was healed instantly. Instantly. Do you have that kind of faith? Do you want that kind of faith? Do you yearn for that kind of faith? Let's come before the Lord and ask him for that gift. Let's pray together. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you. We love you. We are so grateful for the word of God, living and true and foundational and secure, ever unfolding your mind and character before us. Thank you, Lord, for the story of the Canaanite woman. Thank you for her faith, the beauty of unswerving faith, persistent faith that keeps on going and never stops. Lord, we ask you to teach us, to show us, and to inculcate into our lives this true living piety. Lord, make us your true children of faith, of hope, of confidence, of perseverance in the way that leads to everlasting life. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn, if you please stand, is 516.
Once again, we'd like to thank everybody for coming out and worshiping with us. Um, it's good to see everybody. Hope you come back next weekend. May God bless you during this week. Um, Brother Robert, will you close us in prayer, please?